little intro for you two gentlemen. It's Havana who's come onto the field to score on his debut. So out of nothing, South Africa strike. Oh, beautiful kick. Oh, simply superb. He really is a star player, Daniel Carter. Now he pinches his back and even Richie McCaw can only stop and watch the South African flyer score his second try. Drop kick from Carter. Over she goes. Away goes the speedster. Still going. And what a try. It's been a long time since we've seen something like that. Individual brilliance, Brian Habana. Carter goes for the drop goal. Dan Carter. What a kick. And he's done it again in the final. To the hands of James to Brian Habana. And Habana is venturing. And once he gets going, no one catches him. The flying machine, Brian Habana. Carter, it is over. Right Habana. Gets past one, gets to another. This could be it. This is it. Habana has scored. It's there. Carter has done it. Is that a kick to win the World Cup? Can they catch this man, Habana? He's done it again. Brian Habana is going to become the Rugby World Cup's top try scorer. Carter, Carter, he's clear. Dan Carter cutting them to ribbons. And the turbocharged winger has left the trail of defenders. How could a man have such poise, such mental toughness to score a spectacular try and then cowardly slot a goal from the most difficult position? Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Firstly, our homeboy, our legend, our icon, our Brian Habana, all the way live from Paris. Good morning, B. Good morning, KFM mornings. Um, I'm actually, unfortunately, not live from Paris. I'm live from Barcelona. I've got to do a quick uh, MasterCard event talk today. So, um, heading, I got in yesterday, getting back to Paris this evening though, because it is a massive weekend, but always special talking to my KFM morning family. Oh, thank you very much, Brian. Brian. And for the first time ever, the legend, the greatest fly half to ever live. Oh. He is the one, the man, the great, the Dan Carter. Welcome, Dan Carter, to South Africa. <laughs> Cape Town. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. What a, yeah, so many memories uh, in your beautiful country. And thanks for inviting me on, onto the show. I know a lot of people are listening to this on radio. Obviously, doing this volume where. Oh, Dan's oh. bandwidth. Come on, not. Uh, Dan, Dan, we. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's great to be great to be here. Okay, well, Dan, uh, listen, I want you to listen very closely because I don't know if Brian has ever told you or you've kind of picked it up when you've played in South Africa that, especially in Cape Town, you have a huge fan base. Not just Dan Carter because you look good in a speedo, but the All Blacks in general. I think Dan seems like his bandwidth is um, unfortunately gone. Uh, I promise um, I it's not sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we, we'll, we'll, get, uh, not, we'll get Dan back. We'll get Dan back. Mm. Okay. But, um, I 100% fully understand that. I think uh, obviously the South Africa has a new, new, unique history, mm. particularly through the apartheid times and you know, a big part of the 
people of color communities in Cape Town and across South Africa resonated with what the, the All Blacks stood for. Um, I think as a South African, yeah, it was always weird, um, trying to understand exactly why. Um, and particularly the younger generation who didn't understand or weren't a part of apartheid. But hopefully the Springboks, particularly what we did in 2019, um, you know, with the most transformative team that we've ever had, Darren, shows yeah. that, you know, we do have a country that we can be immensely proud of. Yeah, of course. And, and you are now a, a global citizen. As much as you are a resident of Cape Town, Brian, you, you, I always see you in a different country. What are you doing all the time? Uh, I'm trying to pick up um, as many air miles as possible, Darren. Uh, <laughs> no, so I'm actually so obviously back in Cape Town for the better part of the last five years since retiring. But I, um, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to do the likes of a MasterCard ambassadorial commitments, you know, some IPV work in, in the UK and being able to still be in elements of rugby, which I think is pretty cool. But, you know, pay me now back in South Africa is definitely my main job. So I've had, I've had to take unpaid leave, mm. uh, for October <laughs> because I have, um, yeah, I was just a bit committed, been very committed over, over in Paris. Okay, now Dan is back. So, so Dan, what I was saying is, uh, Dan, do you know how many fans you have in Cape Town and the All Blacks in general? Mm. Ooh, Dan's banned. I think Dan was maybe turning his camera off. We, um, he, we're very lucky. He, Sorry. Um... Yeah, DC, maybe just turn your camera off. I mean, everyone's already told you around Cape Town how good looking you are. So I, I actually feel better if you. <laughs> Yeah, we get out beautiful, y'all. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's. You see, Dan has has gone when when he landed in Paris. He got that cheap SIM card there that buys him a, a few megabytes. Oh my goodness! Yes, uh, sorry for my sorry for my dodgy um, Paris hotel Wi-Fi. But yes, no. no having played uh, both Test matches and Super Rugby in, in Cape Town, you understand. You know how much uh, support we we have in, in in that region, but whether that's still going to be happening this weekend and for a World Cup final, because it feels to me that South Africa is very united um, for the for this game, supporting the box. So what a huge game we've got this weekend! I can't wait. Well, just have a listen to uh, some of your fans here in Cape Town, Dan. Oh my word, Dan Carter is my man. I've always had a crush on him. I even have a photo with him. Mr. Daniel Carter, my son is named after you. Mm. We are proud Capetonians. His name is Daniel Carter. Daniel. Gorge, gorge, gorge. I mean, seriously, probably <laughs> the best looking rugby player like ever. Stunning to look at. <laughs> specific fans there. That, that, that's where it's at, Dan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, also, maybe... No, there was nothing Sorry. for you, Brian. There was nothing for you. Yeah, I'm saying, can I turn my camera off as well, please? <laughs> oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad I've got my camera off, to be honest. But thank you for all the, the Cape Town love. Uh, I miss I miss you all. Seriously, I used to love coming there on a regular basis um, when I was playing in, in New Zealand. But, yeah, so much love for, for Cape Town and the region and well overdue a, a return visit. Uh, and come for a holiday. And you know what, Dan? But you, 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 what, you know, you actually protected your nose throughout your career and and your ears to some part because i've seen some players in the after game life and whew, they, they don't even fix the nose what was the was secret a, yeah very uh the, the secret is learning how to kick and pass the ball with 
huge amounts of accuracy and avoid contact at all costs <laughs> and basically just bribe the big forwards up front um, with normally something as simple as beer mm -hmm. um, to make sure that they protect me and, and they do a job of that for 13 years. Um, now, now, Dan, we see, uh, we always, we had Jake White on yesterday, and we always uh, see the All Blacks perhaps as a psychological disadvantage, regardless of the form that they are in at the time of the game. It's just, it's the All Blacks, highly revered by us, the Springboks. How do the All Blacks perceive the Springboks? Oh, the, the respect is, is mutual. There's just so much history that goes between those, uh, these two teams. No matter what form you're going into a game with against the box, no matter what stage of the World Cup you're on, you know that you're in for a huge battle and you will get up for the game. So I know there's a lot of conversation at the moment around the All Blacks, uh, you know, the building, picking at the right time, you know, the performance of the South Africans, how much of a toll is... You know, these big performances that the Springboks have been putting in um, throughout this World Cup is going to take on them. I can assure you they'll be well-rested. They'll be so built up for this game that I think it's going to be um, probably one of the, the best Rugby World Cup finals of all time. It's just that's how much um, this game means to, to both these teams. Now, Brian, do you when you play the All Blacks, is there is there one part of the game or of the team over time that you've gone... Okay, this is where they are weak, and you exploit that. Do they have a weak element to the game, the no. All Blacks? No. So I think personally, getting to face the Haka for your very first time is is just so awe-inspiring. Obviously, as South African, you understand the history around the All Black legacy, and everyone gets so fascinated about the Haka, and you know, getting to face that for the first time in meeting you know, one of the best sporting teams that sport has ever seen, not just rugby. Um, and trying to analyze them, you know, I say quite a bit in a lot of the talk, you know, the guys like Richie and Dan, you, know, you get into whether you're playing the Crusaders or the All Blacks, you get in on a Monday, the anal analysts would be, okay, listen, this is how we're going to nullify these two guys and you can do X, Y, and Z. And the reason they are, you know, two of the greatest All Blacks that have ever been, um, to two of the greatest rugby players is the fact that you analyze them as much as possible, but their weaknesses were just so limited. Um, and their ability to game on game to produce the goods um, was our greatest challenge. And to Dan's point, you, the mutual respect, I think, was, was amazing. But it was almost the going toe-to-toe -to -toe for 80 minutes and then being able to share a beer you know, in the sheds with, with each other afterwards. And the mutual respect then, you know, went outside of the, the field, which is brilliant. So massive respect um, to Dan's point. I think this weekend is going to be absolutely huge. Um, Mm. We're probably going into the underdog, like 95, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, we, we're quite happy being the underdog. Now, Dan, just on that, on the hucker. So, do you guys, you, you, you practice, you know, the game, we're preparing, we're doing rugby stuff, and then do they pull you into a hall and say, okay, guys, now we're practicing the hucker? Or are you just born knowing it? We do. A, a bit of both, to be honest. So, it is almost like, we're born knowing the haka. Haka is such a huge part of our DNA. Growing up in New Zealand, all our, our high school hakas, you go to different parts of New Zealand and, you know, they'll have different hakas. So you're constantly performing multiple um, styles of, of haka. Um, but most little boys in New Zealand 
are performing the haka every time they watch the All Blacks. I remember as a five-year-old boy watching the All Blacks performing the haka in front of the TV, doing it at the same time as, as they were doing it. And as soon as the game would, was finished, I would quickly run into in front of the mirror and, and perform the haka to myself. <laughs> but when you become an All Black... When you become an All Black, you need to fine-tune it. And you actually start to learn a lot more about the meaning of the haka, um, what the words mean, um, how to perform the actions properly, and making sure that you're all really in sync with your teammates. So there's, there's a lot of haka practice um, within the, the All Black environment. And, and did, you, did you guys see the All Blacks as the Springboks getting to the final, or did you perhaps think it was going to be France or Ireland? I, geez, I was, um, I was all blacks all the way, you know, right from probably two or three years ago when they weren't performing that well. Um, no, I, like most New Zealanders, we were optimistic, but the form of the Irish and French leading into this tournament they they were hot favorites and and then the the box were performing really well as well you just look at that performance they put in against the all blacks at twickenham was and and also wales as well the the week before that they were they were in great form so i knew we had to pull something out of the bag but after learning a lot from from that game at twickenham and then also the the loss in the opening game that they've bounced back and they've just been building away nicely they've got a fully fit uh, squad, which is, uh, you know, a real achievement from the medical team at this stage of the World Cup. And they're, they're just, you know, performing at the right time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see. Now, Dan, I want to ask you this question. Yeah, me. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, I think it's for me. I am, I sort of booked my tickets for the games with South Africa winning the group. So I actually had to sell um, my quarterfinal and semifinal <laughs> tickets. I bought the wrong, the I wrong. bought the wrong route. So yeah. I was, yeah, I was fully optimistic that the box were going to be number one in the group, potentially play against New Zealand in, in a quarterfinal. So I got that horribly wrong, but it was because I was backing the box. To Dan's point, you know, both Ireland and France have been the, the four, forerunners in, in world rugby. And I think after both South Africa and New Zealand lost in the pool stages, you, you know, wondering, you know, is this really going to be a Northern Hemisphere dominated World Cup? But I think the fact of where, you know, both these teams are heading into the final, um, it just goes to show the depth. And just Dan hasn't mentioned, but what New Zealand have done really well is they brought in a group of, you know, ex players. So the likes of Dan Carter, Richie, Richie McCall, Kevin Mialamu, Victor Vito. And these absolute legends of, of all black rugby have sort of been sort of filtering information, being a fly on the wall in team meetings. And you almost see, you know, that as being a valid, you know, point of why the all black are where they are. So I am a little bit worried about Saturday, but <laughs> confident in our experience from a, from a Springbok perspective. Well, um, Dan, so we've got this big debate in South Africa. Now you would have uh, seen what is going on. Uh, being the greatest fly half to ever walk this earth. Would you put Marnie Lubbock in or Andre Pollard? Great question. Um, you know, from a South African point, Dan, not, not, not in terms of how the All Blacks can win. <laughs> yes, you are the South African coach. What uh, would, I would you drop do? Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I would drop both of them. You'd drop both. Yeah, and just pull some schoolboy out of a schoolboy rugby and, and play him in the biggest game. It was like. Um, you, you're honestly spoiled for choice. You know, Lebok has been amazing for the Springboks all year. 
Um, I've been really impressed with with him um, and, and the way he slotted in. Obviously, with with Andre and his his injury has meant that it's really had to step up. Um, and obviously, with the two slightly different styles of, of play, um, for me, having been lucky enough to, to play at four World Cups, I don't think you can go past um, World Cup experience. The, the fact that Pollard has been there in a World Cup semi-final loss to the All Blacks and the learnings that he got from that game in 2015 was a big part of the reason that he was able to drive the team to success in 2019. And then you just saw his, his calmness, his control when he came onto the field. Um, so a lot of it f for me uh, comes down to how you're wanting to play the game and, and potentially the conditions. And the conditions last weekend of the semi-final really suited Pollard. He came on and, and controlled controlled the game. And I think that's going to work in his favour. Um, and he'll be getting, you know, more game time. But, you know, as you know, with, with Rossi, he he's can sometimes have uh, different ideas um, and <laughs> what you think is, is, is going to happen, uh, the complete opposite. Opposite uh, might, but you know, there's something about Pollard and, and that World Cup experience, giving him as much time as possible uh, in this game and, and controlling the game right from the get go is, is, is something you know you got to take into consideration. Brian, your thoughts on that? I still feel you know Marnie was taken off very prematurely, and you know it worked out in the end. But you know it was almost the the dominance of the of the English overall forwards that let us down. You know, Marnie kicked to the line three times. We had three line-up drives. We didn't convert any one of those. And he has been really sensational in that number 10 jersey over the last you know, two and a half, three months, you know, literally given the responsibility. And the, the game against the All Blacks at Twickenham you know, really just showed Marnie's class, both in his ability to get our fluidity in attack, you know, as well as his kicking game off the tee and for touch. So I felt it was, was a bit harsh. It did pay off in the end, and maybe to have that experience of Puff and Andre coming off the bench, you know, it's sort of a lot more comforting than potentially, you know, having Puff and Andre start, Andre not going well, and then Rusty second guessing about whether Marnie should come on. So, I think the weather conditions might also potentially suit Andre Polo's style of play. It's going to be a little bit wet um, Friday, Saturday, so it's going to be a little bit dewy underfoot, which might suit it, but. I think Marnie's done enough, you know, to deserve that pen jersey to start in a World Cup final. Andre, world class with a huge amount of experience, who's won a World Cup and is never going to let that Springbok jumper down. So, sports for choice. Um, but I think Marnie, for me, is in the in the driving seat at, at the moment. Because we hear that um, the conditions for Saturday, it's going to be a bit of rain. There's 70% chance of rain in Paris, and that's going to come in in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So, it's more than likely going to overlap into the final. Um, but so, yesterday, we were told that the Springboks were practicing in the rain, which is just genius from uh, from Rassi. And I was just saying that he, uh, imagine Rassi, if there wasn't any rain in Paris today, he's going to be standing there with a hose pipe, hosing the players down, simulating the conditions <laughs> of rain, getting them ready. Probably. I'm, Dan, I'm not quite sure if ever. So we had a few coaches throughout my career who try to make sure that they replicate or simulate game type um, environments and there was a few trainings that we had to do with the ball that was put in a soap bucket. Um, so it was that slippery. <laughs> <laughs> um, to try to simulate that. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether Rusty will be hosing, hosing the, peep, the, the boys down at, at training today. Uh, but you know, try getting game simulation in, in a final week. You know, you just, you're trying to really make sure that you fine tuning 
what you need to do. You know, you're not going to get fitter. Um, and these players have got to this point being as world class as they are. So you'd hope the fine tuning that goes on, uh, wouldn't require them, um, you know, being super drenched down. Cause it's actually pretty cold in Paris. So we don't want them getting cold and flus heading into Saturday as well. Cause mm. uh, we know what happened with Susie apparently in 95, Darren. Yes. So, so, so Dan, how, how do the ABs plan sort of for finals? How do they prepare? Give us your secrets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are no secrets um, at this stage of a tournament it's it's more around the mindset um, how you're going to be able to control your mind under extreme amounts of pressure coming down to, to little moments so the they've got two um, psychologists that, that work with the team their mental skills coaches that we they'll be doing the majority of the work this week um, the training's done the work's done um, often these finals weeks are much lighter and more about recovery uh, than anything so um, today will be yesterday would have been a, a clarity session today will be a recovery day and then tomorrow will be the big training for the all blacks where they'll pick up the intensity um, just probably for for one training this week so uh, very light it's all about um, being fresh because if you're, you're looking for, for motivation or things to try and inspire you this week, then uh, it's, it's too late. If you're not going to get up for a World Cup final, you'll you be up for a match. Um, so a lot of it's around just making sure that the team, to focus on the process and, and don't burn too much energy uh, thinking about the, the outcome and, and, and potential uh, results of the game. So a lot, of, a lot of work with the mental skills coaches this week. Dan, you're part of a special group of 21 uh, people who've won the Rugby World Cup multiple times. There are 19 New Zealanders and two South Africans on that list. Uh, some players after Saturday's final are going to be joining that group. How special is it to win the Rugby World Cup more than once? Um, yeah, it is special, uh, to be honest. It's, it's the pinnacle of rugby. It's what, what you play the, the game for and, and to do it once is, <laughs> is a dream come true and and then to go on and make history um, is is really special. So I was lucky enough to be part of that that team in 2015 that won back-to-back uh, World Cups. And you know that that there was a whole lot of challenges to to be able to to achieve that and mm. such an amazing uh, thing to 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 tick off uh, your career. And, and now the Springboks have got the the chance of, of making history too, and, and and being another team of winning back-to-back World Cups, uh, but there's one player in, in the All Black side uh, that could break uh, all history and, and win a third yeah. Rugby World Cup, and, and Sam Whitelock, who mm. was there in 2011-15 and still here in 2023. Mm. So uh, obviously a hugely legendary player, um, a man I respect uh, so much. Um, so you know he, he'll have uh, even a, a little bit more uh, motivation going into this game knowing that this is his last game in the black jersey where he's given over 150 test matches Mm. uh, for the all blacks it's a really special occasion for him wow Mm. um dan brian we've got some questions coming from from the listeners here some quick fire questions mr carter as a springbok fan i just want to know when you played against the springboks who was the one player that you feared the most on the springbok team I wouldn't say feared because uh, if you, you're fearing any opposition, you, you're not in a good mindset to to perform uh, against the Springboks. But I tell you what, their whole forward pack 
um, <laughs> brutal. It's like I had a target right on my chest, and, and they were just coming at me from the likes of um, Pierce Beast, uh, Bucky's Balther, Victor Matfield. Oh my goodness, <laughs> so it was it was always pretty brutal. But there was one player, Schalkberger, who just was long blonde hair, just running at me, and he just. He would just go and go and go right up until the final whistle and then I could finally breathe again. Um, so I had some great rivalries. Obviously, you know, the, the number sevens, you know, like to get their hands on, on the little skinny little uh, number tens like myself. So um, it was always a, a lot of fun coming up. I, I love the, the challenge of coming up against those those big South African boys. So and Skulk even went to a World Cup after breaking his back. Hey, that's yeah. what we made of uh, here in South Africa. <laughs> Got another question here for you. From a Springbok supporter point of view, um, obviously All Blacks have been playing pretty well leading up to this. Um, also the box grinding away. We kind of noticed they were a bit flat until the bomb squad came on. Uh, but how important is team selection for the Springboks to try and just um, negate that fast start from the, the All Blacks to try and play us out the game in the first 20 to 25 minutes? I think we want your answer there, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. um, no, it's, selection is really important, but but what the Rusty and, and the Springboks have shown is, is they have huge amount of uh, trust and, and faith in their whole squad. And the fact that they've built up um, players to, to come off the bench and, and really add... Um, momentum to, to the team. You know, it is 80 minutes. So I don't think we're going to see uh, what happened in New Zealand earlier in the year where the All Blacks got off to a really fast start and and then, you know, the Springboks, um, you know, clawed their way back into the game, but probably just a little bit too far behind initially. It's, it's not going to be like that. Um, it's it's going to be much closer. So I think the selection is going to be really important in terms of controlling the game initially, controlling the sort of nerves of such a big occasion but then that last sort of we saw it a number of occasions in the quarterfinals and 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 semi-finals last week is that that experience and in terms of the decision making in that last 10-15 minutes is going to be crucial it's going to come down to the wire it's going to come down to just a couple of little moments at the end of the game so that selection making sure you've got guys um, that are still on the field or on the bench that are, are going to thrive in those situations is really important. Because you know what, Dan, um, the whole of Europe, England, all the all the European teams, they've all been moaning and whinging with its ex-players, commentators, fans about this bomb squad. All right. I have not seen any complaints coming out of New Zealand. Oh, no, I love it. It's um, just thinking differently about the game, the bringing the, the impact uh, that it does. I, I love the way that the Springboks, uh, they're just thinking about the game differently. You know, what ways can, you know, they, they, they evolve the game and, and do things that, that, you know, we potentially haven't, haven't seen before. You know, you know, the All Blacks, we're, we're not one to, to sort of complain too much and get on with it and, um, you know, just control things that, that we can control. And, and that's exactly what we'll be focusing on uh, this week and, and, and this weekend in particular. Now, I know I need to let you two uh, great gentlemen go, but uh, Brian, prediction for, for Saturday? Best team is going to win. Ah, get off that fence, Brian. Get off that fence. <laughs> I've, I've got to. I've got to be a neutral. See that I'm, I'm on the panel from Darren. I think you know, from a South African perspective, I will be wearing my South African badgie smugglers. Um, even mm. though I have to have about six layers over it because it's that cold. 
I think the Springboks, you know, are going to have to climb a massive mountain this weekend. The highs of overcoming the French in that quarterfinal and the, you know, the 78 minute winner against England last week. So how they've recovered, prepared, you know, post those incredible physical and mental highs is going to be really important. We're going to see the most experienced Springbok team ever, you know, create the field on Saturday with World Cup winners, global superstars, um, and you'd hope that they can go out there and create something historic. The first Springbok side to ever win back-to-back World Cups, you know, someone like Sia Kalitsi, who's already one of the biggest, you know, biggest to ever come out of the rugby and what that means to South Africa. Rugby has just been such a pivotal, instrumental beacon of hope in our country that does have so many problems. Uh, I think the mutual respect will be there. Uh, I think the All Blacks do go into this game as favourites and we're going to have to play the best game we've ever played to, to overcome this challenge. But mm. that's what World Cup finals are, are made for. A moment of brilliance like we saw with Makazoli Mapimpi and Chesham Colby in, in 2019. But it will be a game where they know they're going to you know, have to be very, very upright because it's the All Black side is really peaking at the exact right time. So hoping for a Springbok win uh, with everything that I got, uh, but knowing that we are going to see a great game of rugby. Dan Carter, your predictions, sir? Underdogs. No, no, no. no. You're number one team. (laughs) We're definitely. Number one team in the world for a reason. You guys know how to win. Um, And that self-belief that the the Springboks have built, um, you know, through being in whatever position they're in, they have that self-belief and they know that they can can get themselves out of any situation and is is invaluable. Um, So, you know, the All Blacks are going to have to try and match that physicality that we know is coming from the box. They have to be really accurate at set-piece time, both scrums, line-outs and, and breakdown in order for us to try and be able to play our game. And, and if there's one team in the world that can disrupt that, it's, it's the Springboks. So they're a huge threat um, for us. Um, but, you know, I, I like the way that the team uh, uh, have been building, but they're going to have to pull it in uh, a pretty special performance this week. Week if, if they're going to beat um, you know the, the Springboks and, and defending champions, um, but confident that they can do it, and, and I'm I'm hoping for for the All Blacks in a very very tight encounter. Oh, you see, I love that. I love hearing how the All Blacks fear us just as much as we fear them. Um, Brian, before we let you go, we had a lot of compliments for Dan Carter. Um, so look. People have come for compliments for you, for you too. Ah 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 ah! Nee, waar gaan die draads het er? Oos eie kreie, Mr. Brian, a banner's net so sexy. No disrespect, Mr. Dan Carter, but Brian Abana has always been my number one. I am banana for Habana. <laughs> you still got it, Brian. Not quite the chiseled look, but I take that. Not quite the chiseled look of Dan Carter, but I'll take it. Team, absolutely brilliant talking to you. Let's, uh, yeah, from the let's get behind the box. Let's hope for one epic rugby World Cup final. And Lizzie, you, thank you very much for joining us, champion. Thank Thanks, you, Brian. Thank you, Dan. And, and I'll say this, and I think I say this on behalf of, uh, of South Africa. You know what? If we're going to lose the World Cup, I think the best, the, the easiest. <laughs> One to digest to stomach is losing to the All Blacks. Uh, we don't want to lose to anybody else. We, we don't want to lose in general. But you just seem like a good bunch of guys, the the Kiwis. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, you're not bad blokes yourself, the Springboks. So, um, <laughs> Thanks, Dan. May the, may the best team win. Indeed. Thank See you, you on Dan. the field. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Dan. Thank you, Brian. Oh, fantastic. Cheers, cheers. Cheers.
two of the all-time greats mm. on at the same time here oh. on KFM Mornings. Dan Carter from the ABs and Brian Habana from... Obviously, the box. Very diplomatic responses from the both of them, eh? Yeah. Neither wanting to commit to a score. Yeah. We'll see on Saturday.